yeah. environment where they can feel comfortable. Yeah. They can feel friendly, yeah. you know. And where they feel that shalom in a sense. Exactly. Yeah, they feel it. Yes. Yeah, they, they can feel it, especially in the Hispanic community. Your feelings <laughs> is a big uh, yes. thing. It yes. is important. That's so. true. Welcome back to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor, and I'm here in the office with my co-host, Pastor Daniel. It's good, good to be, be with you, brother. Good to be here, brother. Yeah, and we also have a guest with us. We have Reverend Jose Ramirez. And Jose, you come from Canada right now, right? And what are you doing out in this area? Well, I was invited by the Chino URC to build them for the uh, Mission Emphasis Week. And I'm gonna be preaching on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and also do a couple of presentation after the worship service in the morning. Great, so. great, awesome! I'm excited about that. It's been good to have you here with us to kind of pick your brain and brainstorm a bit about how to be uh, on mission here in our place, in our city, especially reaching the Latino community around us. So I'm glad to have you here with us, brother. Yeah, thank you so much. Actually, so really. Uh, privilege and honor to be with you guys here today. Great, Amen. Yeah. Amen. So as we jump into this text, Pastor Daniel, you preached for us this last Sunday. What was the passage and what was the main point for us? Yeah, we took a break from Isaiah, but we hit a, a another major prophet, Jeremiah 29. And um, this was in light of the missions week that first Gina was having. I got to preach on this text there last Sunday evening. So we also meditated on it in the morning at OURC. And we looked at verses 1 through 14, and it's a, it's a bit of a unique passage because in this chapter, it's about God addressing his people who are in Babylonian exile. And this was a season where they were humbled, they were taken away from their homeland, and uh, because of their sin, they were sent into exile under foreign rulers for 70 years. And so in this text, God is giving them instructions. What are they supposed to do while they live away from home? And God tells them to settle into the city for a season. And not just, you know, stay on the outside and in your own little bubbles, but he actually tells them to seek the welfare of the city, Mm. um, to seek the the peace of the city. And he gives them some instructions that we could look at in just a minute. But the overall heart of God's letter to them is to to, to seek the good of the city and and in it find a level of prosperity. But, But don't look to the city to be your ultimate home, because ultimately God promised at the end of this letter, that he would bring them back and that he had plans for good, plans for welfare, to, to bless them and to prosper them. So that's a bit of the heart of the text here in Jeremiah 29. Beautiful. Now, I remember in the sermon you mentioned that this letter that God sent by way of the prophet Jeremiah, right, to his people, okay, it was a message that it was a bit different than what the people of Israel were hearing, right? And mm. so... Can you explain a bit more of the context and with respect to that? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, when they were in the, the promised land, you know, there was a unique set of ethics that kind of governed their way of life there. You know, the whole book of Joshua, a big chunk of it is about Israel driving out all of the enemies from the promised land. And that's because that place was to be a picture of heaven on earth. So there was kind of a unique ethic they had. They could not coexist alongside pagan, unbelieving people in the promised land. Um, but now they're in a land that doesn't actually belong to them. And they're in a land that's ruled by foreign rulers, people who do not worship Yahweh. And so they are going to have to, for a season, coexist along unbelieving people. And they're not called to assimilate to them by any means, but they are called to live alongside them 
and to seek the good of the city. So there's a, a unique ethic they have now as people who are sojourners and exiles uh, in a foreign land. Mm, yeah. yeah. And maybe some of the false prophets that you mentioned that were also in, in Jeremiah's day, like in the chapter just before, in chapter mm-hmm. 28, Hananiah, perhaps the reason why his message, his false message to the people of Israel that, oh, it's only going to be two years right. of time in exile is a way to, it was a way for them to try and encourage the Israelites, okay, you don't have to really coexist. You don't mm-hmm. really have to intermingle yeah. with these pagans. You don't have to kind of uh, get any roots down here in this yeah. place because you're going to be gone in two years. Mm-hmm. And so don't really invest in the in the culture and people around yeah. you. It's just going to be two years That's and right. we're out of here. But then this this letter from Jeremiah is critical of that message, right? That's right. Yeah, I, I can't remember where exactly it is in the previous chapter, but um, it was pointed out to me in a commentary how when the letter came to the Israelites here, they were living, most of them, on the outskirts of Babylon. So they hadn't actually gone to the heart of the city. Mm. And so... And that was because of the false prophecy that you just mentioned. It's only going to be a little while, so you know, don't set up any real big roots. But God is telling them to actually set up some roots for a time, right? Literally plant gardens, build houses. Um, so, um, so there is a, an investment there to make because it's going to be 70 years. Right, right. So helpful. So you said that in this letter that was sent to them, he wants them to seek the welfare of the city mm-hmm. in which... God had brought them, the city being Babylon. Can you explain what that term welfare is mm-hmm. here? What does that mean? And then practically some of the the instructions that are given t- for them to do that, actually mm-hmm. to pursue the welfare of mm-hmm. the city? Yes, that, that that's in verse 7 where God tells them to seek the welfare of the city, where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. Uh, other translations translate that word welfare as peace. Um, it's the Hebrew word shalom, uh, the word that we often hear in the benediction where, where the Lord, uh, we, we, we hear the benediction of God lifting up his countenance upon you and giving you his peace, mm. right? And shalom is a rich word, isn't it? Like peace in our, in our, in our spirit, peace in our bodies, peace, you know, physically, spiritually, socially. It's this comprehensive word of just total comprehensive peace that that God can give. And so Israel is called to seek a a measure of peace for the city here. And in the city's shalom, uh, they're going to find some peace. Of course, this isn't going to be their ultimate peace, right? Like this isn't um, the ultimate peace that God is holding out for his people. But there is a measure of peace that they're going to receive as they seek the good of the city. And part of those instructions is found in verse 5 of what that actually looks like. He talks about, you know, setting up some roots in the city, engaging with it, build houses, he says, live in them, Uh, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and and have sons. And he talks about multiplying there. He talks about praying for the city. Mm. And so these are very active things, right, that the community of faith was called to do. And I think this, um, you know, parallels well with how we are called to live as Christians today, uh, where God calls us to, to coexist among unbelieving neighbors Right? He, he tells us to, um, to, to, to be those who are faithful sojourners and exiles today. And, um, and we do the same thing here in our day where we, we live literally next door as well in houses to unbelievers. Our church here in, in, in Ontario, it's, you know, there's a lot of um, houses just around us, right? Yeah. We're not in the cornfields, yeah. but we're actually in the city here. 
Pastor Jose Ramirez, where he serves in Toronto, Toronto Covenant. Um, that's a big multicultural city, right? And, right. And, and these instructions here are very practical for us as well. Yeah. And I remember in the sermon you mentioned that in Psalm 122, I mm. believe, God's people were accustomed to praying for the peace of Zion, the peace of Jerusalem, the mm-hmm. peace of Israel. Yeah. And so they, they're very used to praying for the peace of God's church in that sense, as we are, right? Mm-hmm. We pray for the peace and the increase of God's church. But this is, this is a bit, um, it's a bit shocking. It's a bit scandalous in the grace, right? And calling us to not just pray for our own peace, but pray for the peace and well-being of our neighbors around us and to invest in their life. We talk about having a faithful presence in the city of Ontario a lot as elders and pastors. Um, And as we receive that peace from God, which surpasses understanding, right, that we see in Philippians chapter 3. Four. Oh, chapter 4. Thank you. Yes, yes. Yeah, Yeah, Jose was just showing me that verse there. Mm. Um, we're supposed to receive that blessing of the peace of God and then, in yeah. a sense, extend that to others around us mm. so that they, too, would would receive the same peace that we have received from God. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, these are great ways still today to practically pursue the peace, the well-being, the wholeness of life mm. of our neighbors around us. And one, you know, to connect this passage to where we are today one of the bridges to, to see how it applies to our lives is found, I think you were mentioning in, in Peter's letters, mm. some of the language there. Can you explain to us? Yeah. That? Yeah. First Peter one, um, in the first couple of verses, when Peter is writing to, um, you know, when we receive in that letter, he, he writes to the people as to those who are the elect exiles in the dispersion. And he speaks of them and where they're at. And there's, they're uh, Christian people who are, are scattered in all of these different areas, right? And, um, you know, we are we are labeled in the New Testament as, as exiles, as sojourners, uh, even as fellow pilgrims with people like Abraham and the Hall of Faith in, in Hebrews 11. And that shapes our identity of, you know, where we're at, that this is our home to a degree where, you know, we're citizens of the country that we live in and maybe, you know, uh, enjoy a level of peace there. Mm. But we're we're true, citi- true citizens of heaven, right? Yeah. And um, both of those identities shape how we're living as we live in the cities, the places where God has put us, but ultimately live for the Lord as well in those cities right. and also looking for that eternal home that God has prepared for us. Yes, yes. Yeah. Perhaps, Jose, you have an experience of this even more than, than us because mm-hmm. you grew up in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. And now you live in, in Toronto, Toronto, Canada, and then you're flying all over the place, <laughs> right? And so maybe in a sense, you feel like El Salvador is home, right? But as a Christian, your true home, our true home is with Christ and the new exactly. creation, the kingdom of God. And so can you share with us how that kind of shapes your own understanding and, and your way of life and how you bless your neighbors there in Toronto? Yeah, well, uh, there are a few things that I can point to uh, when we're talking about uh, all these uh, world, because we live in in a world, right? Mm-hmm. And in Toronto, for example, we have people from all over places. Yeah. Just uh, Covenant yeah. have uh, a multicultural, mm-hmm. uh, different uh, languages and people uh, in 
in mm-hmm. church. In that church. We we have around uh, I think if I'm not mistaken around 25 different yeah. uh, languages and wow. people just yeah. in, in that church. Mm-hmm. Uh, people from Central America, South America, uh, from Europe, from Africa, yeah. uh, all over the places. Yeah. And when I go around the neighborhood. I can see people from uh, Jamaica, people from El Salvador, people from mm. Honduras, and you know, do a ministry in Toronto is like, hey, the whole world mm. is coming into one city, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. that's yeah. a big thing. Yes. It's, see, in my case, I I travel all over Central America, South America, mm. and U.S. and Canada, and and I can see even. Uh, when I travel yeah. to this country, countries, uh, I can see the difference in, in, in the way they think, in the mm. way they act, in the way they process okay. Christianity, even. Yeah. So, uh, no, for me, being in Toronto is a blessing. Mm. Yeah. It's a blessing because I can minister people from all Latin America mm. in one city. Yeah. Yes, the world is there, that God has brought so many people from around the world mm. to you. Uh, yeah. which turns Toronto kind of into a mission field. It right? is a mission field. It, it is. Yeah. And, and another thing that I can see is, even though this is beautiful to minister people in, in, in a city like that, yeah. um, I, I feel more comfortable and more secure when I think that this is nothing compared to heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. imagine that for a moment. Yeah. You know, me in heaven, uh, all the nations yeah. mm. gathered together, yeah. worshiping God. If yeah. you've read uh, Revelation 4 and 5, mm. man, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> Just think yeah. about it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an amazing thing. Because I can in Toronto, I can have a taste of what will be mm. to be with the Lord in heaven. Yeah, that's yes. right. And, you know, these Babylonian exiles, they're one nation, the nation of Israel, right? And they're scattered and or they're, they're in exile because of their sin. But when you think about the important difference between the church and, and this text is that we're a church of all nations, right? Mm. And we're scattered ultimately under the blessing of the gospel, mm. right? And so we're scattered and we're exiles and sojourners, but we have a, a beautiful foundation that we're living from as exiles and sojourners. Mm. And that's know? the beauty of uh, Christianity. Mm. That one person, mm. one God, brings us all together. Mm. Mm. Yeah. We don't need yeah. God yeah. to come together. <laughs> yeah. We need one God yeah. and one Savior mm. to come together as one body yeah. and worship the Lord yeah. in that, uh, that way. You know what, when you were uh, saying about the shalom thing, mm. I just was, was thinking about Philippians 4, 7. Yeah. Because uh, according to Paul in that verse, mm. that shalom is a heavenly shalom. Mm. It's, it's mm-hmm. not earthly shalom. Yeah. yeah. The peace of it, God. Yeah, it's the peace of God. Yeah. And, and that peace that yeah. he is talking about, is incomprehensible. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we, in our human being body, we yeah. cannot understand. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfectly, how right. the peace can mm. connect, and, and that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, for example, in my case, I I, I uh, came from a broken family. Mm. 
My father left us when I was 12 years old. Mm. And I was so beaten for years. Mm. Uh, I felt like the church failed me. Okay. Uh, and I felt like the, the leaders of the church failed me. Mm. Mm. In the sense that they didn't, they were not for us when we need them. Okay. You know, uh, but when Christ found me, all that bitterness, all that uh, mm. hurt, yeah. was. Pra- I, I'm not saying that uh, uh, practically the gospel eradicate. Mm. Why yeah. forgot about what sure. happened? But I, I felt the peace of God, because yeah. mm. God practical, practically restored. Mm. Yeah, that's what the gospel does. Yeah, it's yes. a restoration, complete restoration. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that that idea of restoration and the peace that God gives reminds me of the verse that's often quoted from Jeremiah twenty nine mm. verse eleven and often misapplied. Right, mm. where he says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, mm. "plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future." and a hope and you explained it very well for us pastor daniel how this passage properly understood in its context is speaking about how god was saying that even though you're going to be in this exile i'm i'm planning on bringing you back Mm. restoring you back to the land right and so it was fulfilled in that first level Mm. when he brought back the israelites to the promised land through cyrus the persian um emperor king but then it's ultimately fulfilled when christ our true redeemer brings us back and restores all of life and restores us back into full fellowship with god in the new creation which is the true promised land for us right and so that is that that hope that restoration that only god can give us through the person and work of christ yeah yeah, we, we mentioned Philippians 4, and I think in Philippians 2 is where, um, you know, Paul talks about the two the two kinds of peace that Christ has won for us, right? Peace between God and mm-hmm. man through his cross, right? Yeah. But then also peace between man and his fellow man by breaking down that dividing wall, right? That yeah. wall of hostility. Yes. And there we see um, many of the things that we see here in that, that being brought back to God, but also that, that peace between the nations as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, more interestingly, is that that peace doesn't mean that problem is not going to happen mm-hmm. or bad situation is going to come to right. us, right? right. Yeah. So the people of God went to Babylon yeah. for seven or more years. Mm-hmm. Seventy years, yeah. 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 But God was with them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the, the beauty that yeah. we see here. Yes. He promised, I won't leave you. That's right. Yeah. I will be with you. Mm-hmm. Even in exile, I will be yes. with you. That's right. Yes. That's right. And that's exactly the point that a lot of people don't get and don't mm-hmm. interpret or don't apply from this passage. They see it as, as this kind of blank check promise that, oh, if you, if you follow the Lord, he's going to make your life all, the, all better, mm-hmm. right? His plans are for you to prosper and do well in life and in your mm-hmm. business and yeah. in your marriage. Everything's going to go well. But no, in the context, like you just said, no, God's saying you're going to go through exile mm-hmm. for 70 years. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And I have a task for you in that meantime, you know, seek the well-being of your neighbors around you, yeah. invest in life, plant gardens, etc. Mm-hmm. 
and then I'm going to bring you back and yeah. restore you mm. in, in the land, right? And so it's a future promise. And for us, that promise of the good life, the ultimate good life and the true mm. shalom of God that we have a taste of now by the Spirit of God yeah. will be fully given to us when Christ returns, mm. right? Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So Pastor Daniel, what are some practical takeaways for us in our congregation? How can we kind of mm -hmm. really put this passage into action? Yeah, well, I think the, the three kind of P's that I highlighted in the sermon was that we participate in the city, we pray for the city, and we proclaim Christ in the city. And um, that first one about participating kind of arises with how they're gonna invest in the city through you know building homes there, planting gardens, getting married, and those are very you know common cultural activities. and. You know, this is a, an encouragement for Christians. I think sometimes we, it's easy for us to just do everything throughout the week and on Sundays just with other Christians, which mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing to do. I mean, we talk about the importance of fellowship and we have a men's fellowship tonight. You know, uh, yeah. those things are really important for feeding us and building us up. But, you know, God wants us to be salt and light. We got to actually be out there with non-Christians in, in different settings for the purpose of loving them and reaching them for Christ, right? And, um, you know, there's many different hobbies that we have, our cultural activities that we enjoy, sports, you know, different things that we could that we could go and, and not just go into a Christian league or a Christian book study or a Christian thing, but we could, you know, um, invest with the city by participating in other kinds that will allow us to get to know non-Christians. Um, so that was one. The other one was, mm -hmm. you know, obviously prayer. Um, this is something that I've, I've tried to put on, on my New Year's resolutions list in regards to just praying more locally um, for where God has put me in, for my actual neighbors that I could see, for you know the people that surround Ontario URC, you know the neighborhoods there, uh, for the local leaders of you know this city uh, to try to get to know a little bit more about them and just commit them more to prayer. That's something I didn't do very well in last year and I want to do better. In, um, and then the other one was proclaiming Christ, you know, and sharing what we were talking about with that peace and shalom, uh, to do that personally, but also be faithful in doing that as a pastor. That's great. Yeah. That's so encouraging. And for that first one, I'm thinking participating. Does our ordinary vocation fall into that category? You know, the ordinary vocation, occupation that we have as Christians and our, and our labor, is that, does this verse help us kind of rethink our, our approach to work itself. Mm. Yeah, I mean, our, I think our ordinary vocations um, are a huge way that God uses us to be a blessing in the city that we're in. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we talk a lot about that word providence in the church and how God, um, you know, brings people their daily bread, but how he uses Christians and non-Christians to be his means to bless. And, um, you know, Whatever we do, even ordinary tasks, Paul says, whether we eat or drink, we're to do it for God's glory. And that includes our work, right? Uh, to work heartily for the Lord and to be a blessing to our neighbor in that way. And, and we're to labor in, in such a way that people could see our integrity, see our hope, see our kindness, our, our winsomeness with our words, and, and to ask for that hope that's in us, right? And we're called to be ready to give an answer when they do ask. So yeah, we should be out there working hard, studying hard if we're maybe in school, um, doing those ordinary tasks that God has called us to, you know, by His Spirit in, in a way that would glorify Him. Amen. You had three again, right? Three Ps. What were they? Participate, pray. Pray and proclaim. Proclaim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Participate. Good. Good. Yeah. 
I was thinking you could also say play too. But play is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like you, you mentioned that in the participating, cool. right? In the That's participating yeah. in activities and things. Yeah. But uh, there are ways in which we can engage. Mm. Like you do jujitsu, right? Yeah. And a lot of our guys yeah. do jujitsu, and that's yeah. one way in which you're participating in mm. activities locally. Yeah. Getting to know guys. Yeah, I think play, that's another good P. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, playing soccer, right? Yeah. You know, both of our boys were playing in a city league. Now they're in a Christian one, and, and that was a blessing. And you coached, right? And yeah. got to know, you know, um, different parents. And these are people from our communities. I know there was one mom on. On uh, I think it was Elizabeth's team, and she was very open, even with myself. And when Pastor Rich was here last time, he was here about the struggles in marriage, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know that was just at one of the soccer games. And yeah. you know these are opportunities to get to know our neighbors in these common common settings, right? Yeah, that's good. Pastor uh, Jose, do you have any thoughts on or anything you might want to share regarding what you guys do in Toronto to try and bless and reach? your neighbors there? Well, um, Spanish, yeah, <laughs> which is a, a big thing for, for us. I think food is one of the things. Mm. Okay, food, yeah, yes, food. providing food. Providing food, you know, invite people to your home. Hospitality. Uh, hospitality, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, give them a good meal. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Talk to them, mm. you know. Uh, we what we are trying to do also is uh, to reach out the uh, young people, the children. Yeah. Mm. Cause uh, I remember that one of the missionaries mentioned uh, once a long time ago that one of the things that we have to do is to reach uh, the next generation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cause if we focus on uh, adults because they die or they oh yeah. they do. Uh, bring their offerings to church then we are missing the the real point the next generation mm. right so mm. and we try to focus on children yeah. actually in, in our congregation we have more children than adults really yeah, yeah. and we practically what we are doing is we uh, talk to the children mm-hmm. and the children talk to the parents okay and practically, the children have a big influence in their parents. Wow! Yeah, and they they are bringing the parents to church. It's great. That's uh, that's one of the things that we are doing, and also we are investing in them. Yes. So we're putting effort, money, and yeah. some some other things just to to create an environment that they feel secure. They mm. feel. Uh, the person of God. I mean, they they have to mm. know that we are a Christians because mm-hmm. most of these people or most of these children they they have not been in church yeah. never yes so yeah. for them this is the first experience yeah. that they have wow. in church yeah. and it is important that we uh, provide a, a environment where they can feel comfortable yeah they can feel friendly yeah. you know yeah. and where they feel that shalom in a sense. Exactly. Yeah, they feel it. Mm. Yes. Yeah, they, they can feel it, especially in the Hispanic community. Your feelings <laughs> is a big uh, yes. thing. It yes. is important. That's so true. They yeah. need to feel uh, chill. They need to feel uh, encouraged. They need to feel, mm. hey, this is what I wanted to be. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. honestly, uh, these children never miss a Sunday, mm. wow. Sunday in church. That's so encouraging. Yeah, they yeah. never miss Sunday. Uh, the, the adult miss uh, <laughs> to go to church yeah. once in a while, okay. but the children okay. never. Yeah. Okay. 
This reminds me of a point that you mentioned in the sermon we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. Is the as we're called to invest in the city around us, mm. there is sort of a danger in that, right? Of mixing too much and yeah. losing our distinct flavor as yeah. Christians, right? Yeah. And you mentioned a passage, or you mentioned a teaching from Jesus mm. on that too. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that for us, Pastor Daniel? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a danger of when you're, you know, um, engaging in the city that you just become like everybody else in regards to their values and their priorities and their worship and their way of life. And, and God wants his people to be, as Jesus says, you know, in the world, but not of it. Right. Uh, he wants us to be people who are salt and light mm. and you could lose your saltiness. Yeah. Right. You could lose your prophetic voice if, um, you know, you don't hold the word of God clear and the teaching of the gospel near to your heart in the city. Right. Um, and yeah, we need to maintain our saltiness and our unique prophetic voice as the church and as Christians by um, holding closely the words of Christ and making sure that we stand upon his values and proclaim his message and um, yeah, follow him in the city. Amen. Yeah. Is there, we typically also ask if it gives us a bigger, better understanding of Jesus for us. Mm. Is there any more you think you could say on that point or... You, should, we yeah, ask, I mean, should I ask that for you? Yeah, I mean, I think one one area that, you know, that we're reminded of the gospel in this passage, I mean, obviously the, the the thing that you mentioned from the end of this passage about the Lord promising us to bring us home, we see his faithfulness there. But you also see like the things that God calls us to here in loving the city, caring for a place that's very different from us, right? People who are different from us. Right, mm. you do see the love and the sacrifice of Christ in the gospel, right? That's right. Like That's he right. he willingly left his home in heaven, mm. right? His homeland. And he came to rub shoulders with people who were very different from him, people who opposed him. Mm. And again, when 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 we're when the Babylonians are called here to pray for Babylon, they're praying for people who killed some of their relatives and their friends when they brought him into exile. It wasn't a, a easy time, right? Mm. Of transition. Like yeah. there was there was bloodshed. And, you know, Jesus models what it looks like to love our enemies. And he died for us when we were God's enemies, right? Mm. When we were sinners. And so, you know, the things that God is calling Christians to as exiles and sojourners, you know, God himself did for us in Christ, right? In the gospel. And that's um, that's the glory of, you know, uh, the message that we get to proclaim that, you know, the Son of God came and he walked in our shoes and he loved us to the very end. And now he is risen and in glory preparing that home for us okay. mm. amen yeah. yeah now that you mentioned that i i forgot that aspect of the sermon but you yeah in the sermon you were saying like what god is calling us to do here and then you said who loves like that mm. yeah i know a man yeah like jesus that was so good yeah. yeah um and then you just see exactly yeah that's what mm. the son of god has come and yeah. done for us yeah uh, now he calls us to go and do the same for our neighbors, as right. those who've received his grace Amen. and love. Yeah. So, brother, do you have any, to close here, do you have any particular verse that you would recommend we kind mm. of commit to memory from this passage? Sure. I mean, I, I love I love verse 11. You know, it, again, it's the one that might be pulled out of context, but I think hopefully our listeners hearing this from um, from the context of what God is saying here can can treasure it and truly apply it to their own lives in recognizing that God's plans for his church are good, right? So verse 11 again says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, 
to give you a future and a hope. Amen. Pastor Jose, can you can you close this since you're not going to be able to address the saints at Ontario RC? And since we're talking about shalom here, maybe you can close us with the reading from Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26, the ironic blessing there, mm. just to close us out. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his hand, content upon you and give you peace. Amen. 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 Well, it's great conversation, brothers. And thank you, especially Jose, for your uh, for jumping into this. We didn't give you any kind of preparation beforehand, <laughs> so we just threw you into the fire. You did well, and it was a good conversation. Yeah. Thanks again, Pastor Daniel. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. All right. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you.